Welcome to We Flesh, in this here place, Black Women Be, a podcast that explores topics relevant to Black women folk and all those who love and care for us. Here, we embrace the fullness of our humanity. Here, we be in conversation and contemplation. Here, we just be together. Join me, Lisa Anderson, and my amazing co-host, Amakayla Gaston. Welcome, beloveds. In the words of Toni Morrison, in this here place, we flesh. All right, hello, beloved. So I'm Lisa Anderson. And I'm um, Amakayla Gaston. And welcome to We Flesh and In This Here Place, Black Women Be. Yes, we be fabulous. We be thinking, we be singing, we be all the things. <laughs> oh, it's so great to see you, um, Amakela. And don't you look fabulous, Queen? Yes, you do. Okay. okay. <laughs> if you all can see her, she always comes done, honey. She oh, lips. And the makeup, but all I'm the thing. you've got the hair out today. I do. I have the crown free and flowing. That's what's up. <laughs> um, last time it was just the two of us setting the stage, getting us ready. And um, this week, though, we have the honor of welcoming our very first guest, the Reverend Dr. Joanne Marie Terrell. Woo, Dr. Joanne, Joanne Terrell. Woo. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine if she, listen, everyone, wait till you hear what this woman is talking about. I mean, her words are music. She doesn't have to sing a note because everything that she speaks is exquisite. I mean, what did you get out of it, Lisa? Oh my, well, you know, on some level, because I've known Joanne for 35 years, Oh yeah, it was, un, it was exactly what I expected. And yet it was more than that. And I think the mm. way that she is able to integrate her experience of multiple ways of belonging yes. as a person of in a religious person and an artist being an artist along yeah. with really understanding her voice yes. and then grappling with what it means to live in the world and having experienced violence extreme mm. violence and mm -hmm. yet keeping that creative connection to the community alive. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I think our listeners are in for a treat. A treat that will just keep on like Living. yes richness and power. So I'm excited. I yeah, am excited me too. for them to experience what we experienced. Um Joanne Terrell B what is it in this here place black woman be voice black woman be singing black women being she's just amazing mm, 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 mm. so joanne terrell is a womanist scholar she's a theologian mm. she's an artist she received her phd at union theological seminary we went there together wonderful yes she is the Kenneth B. Smith Senior Professor of Public Ministry at Chicago Theological Seminary. She is the mother of Jada. She is the dog mommy of Shiloh. And when I tell you, I have known Joanne, what, 35, 
years or more. Oh she my is goodness. A dear, dear, dear friend. Wow. And when we were imagining this podcast, she was the first one. You first. can you can after this, uh, Michaela. Yes, like, I can. Your day was first out the gate. First name out the gate. Mm-hmm. And I thought of her because, and you're gonna hear her in a second, beloveds, because of her voice. You know, the sound of Joanne's voice mm. has always resonated in my spirit. Joanne, hey. I am just thrilled to be here with my dear friend, one of my closest friends who knows me most deeply and and loves me most dearly. And oh, I love her as dearly. I know their stories. I know there are stories, honey. I guess we'll do that off the mic. But <laughs> I bet you all know each other so well and can testify to all kinds of stuff about each other. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I have to ask you, Dr. Terrell. I have, and I, and again, I wish our listeners could see how gorgeous you are with your African beautiful outfit and your just fierce spirit just shining through. You know, we're here because we wanted to focus on black women and how we be flesh and how we incarnate and show up every day. And so we want to know specifically from you, um, Supreme Empress Goddess Joanne Marie, by the way, that's also my middle name, Marie. I have a couple of family members with the middle name Marie. So when we would get in trouble, they would just shout Marie and we would all come running because we knew it was one of us in trouble. (laughs) But we want to know, like, especially, you know, I'm also a singer, you're a singer. So how does voice impact who you be in the world, how you show up in the world, what you offer to the world? And, you know, as an artist and a creative and a theologian, like, what does it mean to be the vessel for theology as art, singing as, you know, all the things? What do you think about that? Well, if you hear how I sound when I talk, I sounded like this when I was when I first had a voice. Mm. As a toddler, I had a voice just like this, uh, just rich, um, full, wow. booming sometimes, uh, but gentle. Uh, I always had this voice, mm. and I always thought it was a strange voice. <laughs> I hated my voice. I hated my voice. But what I also had was a very good ear Mm. for music. I love music because I grew up in a a household that loved music. Um, My brother was a saxophonist and and my mother played music all day long. We listened to secular music. We weren't churchgoers or anything. (laughs) But but that's how I learned the intonations of African-American singers and such. Because I, I embodied it. I heard it. I heard it all the time. So much so that even when I wasn't listening to music, it was playing in the back of my mind. Yes. Indeed. So I hear music all the time and almost all the time. And uh, <laughs> because I have this very good ear for music, I can reproduce music very well. Mm-hmm. I can reproduce the sounds that I hear uh, coming from folk. And um and I I knew I had a good uh, pitch, but I didn't think that I had a good sound. I, I had a I had a good ear, but I didn't have a good sound to me because my voice was so mature for such a little person. <laughs> and um, 
as I was growing up, um, uh, I I relished music. I just relished music all the time. I listened to it all the time. I would uh, come home from school and listen to gospel music or mm. other kinds of music that, because uh, gospel was relatively new to me by the time I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But but growing up, I had all of the the blues. I had the rhythm and blues. I had. Who was your favorite? You know, I um, my favorite growing up. Yeah. Uh, I Well, probably the Beatles. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> the, uh, it, but I didn't realize how much of their harmonies were influenced by the black church and by, mm. by black music and by, by uh, the blues and, and all the forms of, of American music that happened to be black. Right. Uh, and, and did not know that rock and roll itself was influenced by black music or was is black music. A lot of folk uh, don't. That's a true. lot of folk don't realize that. And hmm. so so they would pick on Whitney Houston because they said she sounded white, but she mm-hmm. sounded like like almost any other black person who could do a, a range of styles. There you go. So I could do those range of styles, but I would never perform publicly because I didn't think I had that kind of, of voice. My voice was too odd. <laughs> and so, but when my mother died, my mother died violently when I was 15. Mm. And I, I was muted for a time uh, during that experience. And a few months after she died, I found myself at choir rehearsal with my younger cousins, who I lived with now, who had to take care of me. Mm. And my cousin was singing a song in choir rehearsal while I was sitting in the pews. And it was so bad. I said, don't sing it like that. Sing it like this. <laughs> Everybody said, oh, where did that come from? Wow. So shortly after that, I became the, the major lead singer for the junior choir that I was a part of. And I, you know, wow. I always had a good ear, but I didn't know I had a good voice or a good sound. But one beautiful thing that happened was the choir director on my first Sunday out to sing, she said to me, don't worry about the people in the audience. She said, don't be nervous. Don't be scared because everybody out there loves you. And it was a piece of advice that I I take with me to this day in every setting I'm in. I assume that people love me and it might not be true, but I assume it. And, 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 and I give people uh, back the love that I'm perceiving, whether it's real or not. I'm giving people love when I sing. And so that's why I sing. And people ask me to sing, um, um, many times people ask me to do special occasions and mm. and uh, and I'll do it. Uh, I never studied music. Um, I was part of uh, Ebony Ecumenical Ensemble for a little while when I was at Union. And I did start, I was one of the uh, founding members of the gospel choir at Union. Uh, wow. And uh, so I, I got a chance to sing and I realized how much I needed to sing. Mm. How it was so healing for me mm-hmm. that 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 tapping into the ability to sing after my mother died was the way I came back to the world. Wow. I didn't come back to the world through uh, uh, 
oracular uh, wonders from the pulpit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't come back to the world through any other means except through my own reaching up into the divine for solace, reaching up to the divine for more faith to mm. continue with my life, reaching up into the divine to just be in touch with that which was real and that which was enduring. Yes. So I, uh, and that's why I continue to sing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm glad that people enjoy it, although I don't enjoy hearing myself sing. I'm glad people enjoy it, though. I want to think, I mean, this question felt like it was perfect for uh, Michaela because you're both musicians, both singers. And Ami, when Joanne was talking about the solace, the healing that came after her mother died. It reminded me of when when you talked about the role of humming and rocking. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. You know, it's so deep. And I don't know if you find this too, Joanne, but like even when words escape me, and it sounds like that's what you were describing before, it was like, if there is a way that if ever I could remind my body my my physical self my mental self the way that my grandmother when she would hum and rock me the soothing that I felt the 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 overwhelming peace that came over me was the purest medicine I know quite honestly that kind of and just like rocking back and forth there's no words for it there's no need for words for it it's just pure sound pure love emanation like you were just describing mm-hmm. yes the spirit cool. praying for us in size too deep for words oh mm. and that's it drop all the microphones that's deep for words it's the spirit praying in us mm-hmm. uh, so I, i'm i'm grateful i'm grateful i know that that's just the gift of god to us you know that great able to to bring solace to ourselves and to others that's bonus you know but to ourselves is just a a powerful uh gift of 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 connectivity and a gift of of grace uh that's just immeasurable when you said joanne that you assume that people love you Mm -hmm. which you know for black women you know, to be able to have the assumption when we live inside of a society where um, we get the opposite. And I'm about to quote you because mm-hmm. I pulled one of your quotes off of, off, of, off of a website. You said, despite the wretched conditions humanity continuously faces, I believe in the beauty that is, and it is my scholarly and pastoral duty to pursue and find it. And when you said that, I thought about when you said you assume that people love you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, you know, for black, for black, for a black woman to say that, um, there's real power in that. It's like there's, there's, there's the divine that is speaking that is a despite wretched conditions. Mm-hmm. And so I hear mm. you both talking about the way of music and the way of singing and that you're like sonic, the sonic mm-hmm. salvation, the, the salvation that's inside of the sonic. It's like powerful. 
Ooh, I like that salvation I'm just side of the sonic. I like that too. Beautiful. Yes. I do a lot of music as medicine stuff. And so when I go overseas as a cultural arts ambassador and work with people who are refugees or like really struck and like post-traumatic stress disorder from the war that they're experiencing, the only way that I can get through is through singing. And they, we never have the same language, right? So mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with what I'm saying. It's the intent. It's the love emanation you were just describing, mm-hmm. Joanne, and what you were talking about, the, the healing through sound. And I agree. I believe that it is the truest gift from job we could ever, ever imagine. Can you imagine a world without music? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I can't. It, it makes me not be able to breathe, quite honestly. See, words are are inadequate by themselves because words are only approximations of what we're trying to say, you know? Yes. (laughs) Everything is, it's only an approximation. It it doesn't quite say everything. Like, you know, the fact that you said you love me just completely resonated with me without me having to say it back. You knew that I love you too. You you already knew it. I I could see by the warmth uh, on your face, I can I can feel it through the through the uh, the airwaves. I guess I can I can feel it. I just feel it, and um, uh, so they're just approximations, and they don't quite get at what we actually mean all the time. But the 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 sound, the music, helps to push the meaning uh, to a higher level, and and. And to deeper depths, uh, I think the music itself. That's why uh, instrumentation is as important as uh, voice and lyrics to me. Uh, mm-hmm. So there are some songs that you can't imagine being as as successful or popular as they have been without the very particular kinds of instrumentation yes. and the very particular kinds of, of arrangements that are made. Uh, uh, you know, I was listening to Messiah the other day, of course. Mm. Messiah is good to listen to anytime. Uh, mm. but, uh, but I was listening and I was listening to a, 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 the alto part of a particular song and they only sang it, one refrain throughout the whole song and it wasn't it was it was so well arranged that that you you would miss you would you would almost miss that there was no other alto part in this in the particular song except for that one phrase that they they continuously sing I forget which song it was but it was so incredible to me and I just because I listen I hear the, the voices I hear the parts and I'm like, oh my God, that's so brilliant! Oh my God, that's amazing! Uh, but uh, but uh, and but it conveys bottom. It conveys meaning. Yes. It conveys, uh, you know, I'm holding the line. <laughs> you know, yes. it conveys so much. Just that one phrase mm-hmm. in that particular song in Messiah. So, mm-hmm. but for many songs are like that. Where the, you have. A song that you carry with you? Hmm. Uh, no, music just kind of occurs to me when I need it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I was singing the other day, uh, Jesus is all the world to me. <laughs> my life, my joy, my all. Now, I haven't heard this song maybe in about 25 years. I haven't heard this song, but it came to me. 
and I just let myself sing it. Or I'll often I will sing Great is Thy Faithfulness, you know. Um, or I might be singing Billy Jean in my head. <laughs> you you don't, I mean, or or uh uh I look to you by Whitney Houston. I, I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I could be singing anything in my head or I'll even dream music. Mm-hmm. I, I, I dream whole, I dream of lyrics and, 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 and compositions in my head and I'll, I'll get up and I'll write it down and uh, I can score a little bit, but if I knew how to score better, I could, I, I know what I, I know what I hear in my own head. <laughs> so, I'll, you know, and yeah. I try and get up like you just described and I'll run to the bathroom and I'll start trying to scribble it down the words and the sound and I can never capture it as fully as I did it, hear it in my dreams. You got to know me. But that, but that might be because it's superfluous what you, what you want to add to it. See, uh, artists create art by moving things around. You know, mm. you got to move things out the way. You got to move unnecessary things, like the the unnecessary uh, uh, alto in certain parts of Messiah. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> you know, you got to move unnecessary things. You got to move things so that they have the exact impact that you're trying to uh, convey as the artist. So mm. I, I don't worry about when I don't recall it exactly as I heard it. I recall it in the way that I should recall it. And then I create it in the way that it should be created. So, you know, I'm, uh, yeah. God's a great artist. God's the greatest, you know, the greatest mm. artist. And so, so and I, I think dreams come from God. I, I'm, I'll just be frank. I think that that's where they come from. Agreed. And, uh, it it and psychologists say that it's your psyche trying to find its way to wholeness, and that's cool too. But that's still God. Psyche, <laughs> right? Exactly, the psyche's God, right? Everything is still connected. It's, it's still God, it's still God. So I'm like, yeah. So I, yeah. I mean, I, I knew that all of this reflect. This is just making me so happy. Came and comes inside of your work as a creative as the one who talks about theology as art. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're you're also doing, you're also a playwright. I also know that you've done a lot of work with your students on bridging, you know, um, tough topics about mm-hmm. AIDS, about suffering and using art as a vehicle. Can you say a little more about some of that? Oh, yes. So I've been teaching at Chicago Theological Seminary for 27 years now. And in that time, most of that time, for about 25 of those years, I taught a course called uh, Theological and Ethical Perspectives on AIDS and Violence. There are two issues that are uh, important to me because they've affected me in a profound way for my life, throughout my life. My brother contracted AIDS in the early days of of AIDS and uh, died in 2009 after almost 30 years with AIDS. And um, my mother, of course, was murdered, as I said earlier, she uh, died violently. And so uh, AIDS and violence are those uh, uh, phenomena that, that uh, are perennially with us and that we need to address as religious community 
in ways that are humane and that uh, evoke a, a humane response from uh, from members of our organizations. So uh, I was teaching this course as, at first in the way that you would expect with an emphasis on uh, statistics and texts that uh, explain things and, and so forth. And then I read a book called um, How to Have Theory in an Epidemic by mm. Paula Treichler. And uh, she was talking about the power of story and how that is what uh, helps people to actually reach a level of transformation because we resonate with points in each other's stories, right? And so what you can do in a class depends on who you have in it. So one year in this class, I had eight men, mm -hmm. just eight men, no women, and they were from different countries. They were from like four or five different countries. Uh, uh, I think one was Taiwanese, one was uh, Korean, one was Indian, one was African. Uh, uh, he was from Kenya. And uh, another, there was one white male in the course, and I forget the other two. But these men, for their special project that we were trying to engage the religious community with, they decided to write a play. And they wrote a play called uh, Can't We All Just Get Along? And you remember those words from uh, Rodney, Hart, Rodney King. Okay. Uh, and so... Um, so it was good, but they weren't able to perform it because they spent all their time writing it. Mm -hmm. uh, so the next year we got money from the Luce Foundation to, to do theology and, and art. And uh, so I bought a stage. I had a stage made rather. I bought lights, I bought props and things. And I started engaging my class in the act of playwriting. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I say, it depends on who's in the class, what you can have. So I had like 23 students in this particular class and they were from various countries again. And we did vignettes and it was just beautiful. And they were contextually relevant for each uh, person's context. And it was just beautiful, wonderful. And we started taking up offerings and giving that offering to a grassroots organization that either dealt with AIDS or people with AIDS uh, or uh, violence or both. And so and so the community started hearing about it. They started coming to the plays. And mm -hmm. so I was able to witness over 25 years of teaching in this with this methodology, it's pedagogy, uh, that people being transformed by the ideas that we were putting forward in, the, in these plays. The, the transformation from Levitically correct to, uh, uh, to warmly disposed and, and <laughs> capable of helping folk. And, yeah. and it was just amazing. It was such an amazing uh, realization that this is a gift to let people tell their stories or to tell a story that can uh, connect to other people's stories. Mm -hmm. So for a time there, we were doing it collectively, 
but then I needed to be able to to uh, to learn myself uh, the genre of playwriting. And so I began to write the plays and the students began to perform them. Mm-hmm. And so I've got about 15 plays under my belt. And uh, wow. It, yeah, so the current mm-hmm. one is uh, When They Shall Die, which is was written for the Society for the Study of Black Religion and uh, for their commemoration of the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington. And it will be performed in uh, March, at the end of March in DC by the students of Howard University and Wesley Theological Seminary. Wow. I'm, I'm terribly excited about my growing reputation as a playwright and by the embrace of two churches in Chicago area who want to uh, allow me to turn their auxiliary space into community theater. Mm. And so I'm excited about that. Do we know those churches? Uh, one is Zion Faith Bible Center Church, mm-hmm. and the other is, uh, I'm going out on a limb here, Church of the Good Shepherd in Chicago. Okay. I'm going, uh, uh, uh-huh. I love that you're making that community impact. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's grassroots. It's grassroots. Well, we've, we've given away a lot of money to different uh, uh, organizations that are involved uh, in those uh, in the in the remission of those act uh, those phenomena in our society, and I'm happy about it. I'm really very happy about it. Uh, but I'm no longer teaching the course because people have uh, begun to back away from the the HIV. Uh, because it's a manageable disease for many people. It's not for everybody, but it is a manageable disease for many people. So, so people have begun to, to not take the course, even though uh, if I wanted to teach the course and had two people sign up for the course, I could still have a cast of 30 because the staff at Chicago Theological Seminary is so cooperative and so helpful to me that they just volunteer to uh, devote their time to learning lines and, and and rehearsing and all of that kind of thing. So mm. such yeah. a supportive community to let me become the artist that I wanted to become, the, the more fully rounded artist that I wanted to become. Yeah, that's exciting. Very exciting and very exciting that you're doing, um, you know, HIV work still because it you're, like you said, it's kind of fallen out of the limelight, quote unquote, the way that it used to be. Um, so that is very important. And I'm curious, because you know, I do a lot of theater work as well. And there's always a theater ritual that you do beforehand. But how do you get everyone into the mindset of where you, the journey that you want them to convey and bring everyone else on? Like, do you have a ritual around that? Or do you ha- how do you ground yourself before you write? Like, how do you step into that creative space, that process, that ritual around that? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is convince people that they can do it. Because some people take the course mm-hmm. thinking that they're going to get the, the typical fare of, of uh, statistics and, and that kind of emphasis. And some people will drop out because you're not going to get that kind of course. You're going to be engaging in art that is going to be helpful for community. And it's mm-hmm. going to be helpful for uh people who are embroiled in these issues and who are affected and infected 
so so no we're not going to do it that way so some people drop out <laughs> but most people stay but i have to convince them that they're they're capable of it now it's not a hard uh leap from preacher to actor <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> just saying that will preach. You see, it's not hard. I wanted to be an actor when I was growing up. You know, that's what I wanted to be. But I was too. I think I'm too officious to be an actor. So you need to have some kind of fluidity, and I'm just like a little stiff. <laughs> okay. But I, I, I know how to see, and I know how to see myself, and I know how to see my usefulness in in the scheme of things. But. <laughs> But uh, but no, it's not a hard leap from preacher to actor. So I, I convinced them on that level. But then I, I have my 10 tenets of art. And one of the tenets that's most important, I think is either the first or the second, is that anyone can be an artist in any medium as long as he or she is or they are willing to be a beginner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. it, it, you can be an artist in any medium. I've, I've attempted to paint. And I've 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 painted a couple of beautiful things. Uh, they're beautiful to me anyway. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, and um, and and had never done it before. Mm -hmm. And so um, so I'm not afraid to try, and they're not afraid to try. It's mm -hmm. it's it's the same principle as telling people, don't worry about the folks out there because they all love you. Mm -hmm. The same yeah. principle is that that you have to have confidence that no one is going to laugh at you, yeah. and uh, and that the, that the most important thing is the relationship you have with the community you're trying to make. Right, mm -hmm. and that's a level of trust that they have to have in you to create a space for them to be vulnerable, because you're asking them to have a a high level of vulnerability to share and experience these things. I don't ask them to do anything that I wouldn't do. I mean, so, you know, I've, I found myself in the plays sometimes, uh, but mostly directing, but but I've, I found myself in them as uh, I was society in the death of Society Jones, which was kind of a, um, a parody of, of, of uh, American culture, including uh, the church who was uh, symbolized by a person named Trinity. And then uh, 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 I put my environmental concerns in the name of the matriarch of the family, Eartha Evans, to kind of <laughs> earth and heaven, <laughs> you know? And uh, so we were uh, talking about uh, politics as well in that. So we had... Uh, GW, uh, uh, since George W. Bush was the uh, the president at the time, we did that play, <laughs> uh, mm. and he was a he was a banker, <laughs> so we were trying to make commentary about the economy. Mm. <laughs> so, so lots of fun with different uh, genres of plays as well, too. So, I, I love the the Eddie we can all be creative and for and embody art practice art be artists in any medium connection in any medium i like the connection that you make between it being the beginner the vulnerability and that it's not 
production for like mm, what am I trying to say sometimes it even though performance counts is yeah. not performance that's the most important thing is the mm-hmm. relationship you're crafting with the, the audience is yeah. is the relationship you're crafting with the community that you're you're trying to be accountable to and mm-hmm. and for you know so yeah. and that it just makes me think that if we're created in the image and likeness of god then why wouldn't God creativity on us, you know, the capacity and that we don't have to, it's not about being an expert. It's not about competing with, you know, I mean, when I think I would sing in the presence of Ah, Michaela and Joanne, it's like, okay, so that's not the same level, but that's not what it's about. It's a relation, it's that relationship that you talked about with the community and I think with yourself, like how are we relating to our own embodiment, our own capacity to be playful and fully alive and to have things emerge from us that we take as beautiful. Yes, knowing what's in there, what's all in there. Uh, a lot of people confine themselves to the expression of a single gift. That's just unheard of in nature, even. Almost all creatures have more than one gift, <laughs> you know. Uh, and even giftedness itself is something that uh, you can either you can either uh, stretch your own capacity to do what you do, or you can receive the gifts of others graciously mm-hmm. and not competitively you don't have to compete with other people mm-hmm. you know their gift is a gift to you i just i love i love hearing people who can sing for the stage you know i love hearing people who can sing opera and i love people who can sing gospel music and i love house music and I, you know and I can't sing house music. I'm too officious for that. <laughs> but, but I love house music and I, I love reggae. You know, I love it all. I love it all. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, and 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 opening your eyes and your heart to appreciate art is uh, is is the kindest thing you can do. You know, to, mm. to appreciate the gifts of others is the kindest thing you can do. It's such a disservice to yourself and others to be jealous of their gifts when their gifts are gifts to you. Mm. And you have gifts. And if you want to uh, to improve upon them, you can do that. You can make take the time to do that. Mm-hmm. I I never, well, I wanted to. When, once I finally realized that you you're multiply gifted, because I thought either you're smart or you're a singer, <laughs> you know, either either or. Mm-hmm. So I chose to go down the pathway of academia and to let singing be my avocation, right? But uh, and and Dr. Cohen encouraged me to do just that too. But he was like. Don't sing. If you have to sing, sing in the shower. Because he wanted people to take me seriously as a scholar. And I understand where he was coming from, but he didn't know how much I needed it for healing. 
for my own health sake. And so I did it uh, in spite of his his wishes. Uh, but but I understand where he was coming from. But mm-hmm. but I do I I just recognize that you can be a whole bunch of things. Yeah. You can be a scholar and a singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to devote your time to both things. Uh, but you know when. When you learn a bit of time management as you get older. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> makes me think of the way of womanist, the womanist definition and womanist theology. And our, you know, our dear Dr. Cohn um was not a womanist. I mean, he needed, he learned from the he learned from the womanists, but you know, I'm thinking of Alice Walker's definition and inside of that definition, there is the multiplicity of us. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we have to give and what I think about, you know, your gift as a theologian is, you know, the capacity for us to go beyond not just pushing these binaries away, but actually living inside of this multiplicity of what it means to be created. And, and yeah. To be enfleshed, right. You know, yeah. Yeah. to have, have fleshly needs, you know, yeah. like, like without singing, I can't cohere mm-hmm. as, a, as a physical body. I can't mm-hmm. cohere. That's I won't right. live. I won't live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I just feel that that's part of the gift. And, you know, when we were imagining this podcast, one of the, we had lots of ideas floating around. And one of them in my head was, yes, combating bad theology one conversation at a time. And how much (laughs) bad theology has caused us to be like small and to not live inside of that multiplicity that comes in all the ways that we flesh, that comes inside of all of the ways. I think, Joanne, too, about the fact that even your religious practice you know, takes inside of Buddhism and Taoism and other traditions, even as you're rooted inside of Christian traditions and that you don't see them as in opposition, mm-hmm. but as almost back to the sonic. It's like they're creating a collective sound. Oh, beautiful. It's, it's interesting that you say rooted in Christian because uh, on a, in a real sense, you're right, because it's not just me, it's the community I come out of. My mother's family started a small denomination in 1914 called the Churches of God by Faith. and But I didn't even know this until I was like 12. <laughs> I didn't even know that I had religious heritage until I was like 12 years old. We didn't go to church. And so my religion which was real as, as a very young child. My religion was nature. I loved mm-hmm. nature so much. I, I could see God's hand in it. I knew there was a God because nature was so perfectly beautiful. Yes. Uh, and just so perfectly giving. And, and just, oh, 
and I would just worship nature. I, I did, and not knowing that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. I was worshiping it. So I'm actually kind of Taoist without the, the, the structure of Taoism before, uh, before I became Christian. And then I became Christian because there were words, some words, some of the words that I needed to explain what I was experiencing in my spirit and mind and body. And uh, so I, I got some of the words from Christianity and I lived with that for a long time. And then I was in college and I was studying Taoism and Hinduism and Buddhism and I was finding more words. But the Tao was the, the native experience that I had had growing up. It was the, the worship of nature, the, uh, the, 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 the finding of the way through the ways of nature, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, and so, so once, once I realized it, I realized that I'm actually uh, more Taoist than I am Christian and more Taoist than I am Buddhist and more Taoist. I'm just I'm 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 really very Taoist and uh and because um uh, you can't argue with the wisdom of the Tao. There's no there's no there's no there's no way to argue with it. It's just truth. It's just truth that you can assent to because it's just right there. You know, I love uh there are ways, but the way is uncharted. <laughs> oh, yes. So there are names but not nature in words. Nameless indeed is the source of creation, but things have a mother and she has a name. And if I was going to give her a name, I'd call her Black Woman. Because oh, I'm telling you. And there it is. Which I'm is telling you because I'm telling you because if necessity is the mother of invention, necessity, thy name is Black Woman. Oh my God. And can it can. Because we be doing the things that we have to do. Right on. And, and not knowing how to do it, I braided my own hair. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, not knowing how to do things, you just, you try and you come up with something creative and, and amazing, like a play or a song That's or, right. you know, That's you just, right. you know, not having uh uh altogether appropriate mentors sometimes you just you just become a theologian uh you, you know that that's 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 Ooh. trying to stay whole through uh acknowledging your experience yes. your own experience yeah. i'm i'm trying to put a name on this thing that i am <laughs> And, you know, and they say Christian and they say Taoist and they say Buddhist and they're right because I, I do derive joy from these sources. Yes. I, and, you know, I, I just interject because what you're saying about nature and, and I, that was so my childhood as well and how all of that culminates into the being of Black woman. I just, <laughs> that embodies and encapsulates this entire podcast series, quite frankly. And so I just have to, say thank you to that and you know as we as we look now and 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 start to wrap this up we just have to ask this true closing question which is what do you love about being a black woman is it everything you just said is it more gems that just drip from your beautiful lips or like is there something that you want to say to our listeners about the 
beauty and joy and love you have about being a black woman? I think I love the hum within myself that doesn't need to explain itself to anyone that doesn't need to uh, look to anyone for their approval or, or their gaze on me. Uh, I love, I love that Alice Walker articulated self-love regardless as the sine qua non of what it means to be womanist. Because that's the thing, and and the self-love is the is the agreeing with the hum in your body. The, mm. the it's this the agree that I'm worthwhile. Mm. Mm. Yes. I'm worthwhile. <laughs> I got a story worth telling. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody knows the trouble I see, nobody knows but Jesus. Mm. It's the agreeing with that, that I'm worthy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that comes from being black and oppressed, but it also comes from being woman and oppressed. And it comes from being black woman oppressed. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, uh, you know, not regarded as the standard of beauty, not regarded as the standard of morality, not regarded as the standard of intellect, but you know, mm, my mind is all right. Yes. Oh, and yes. even even if it's dust tracks on a road, my life is worthwhile. <laughs> even mm -hmm. if it's as ephemeral as that, my life is worthwhile. It's worth my being here. That's what I love about how Black women authors have helped me to just. Um, lift myself to a place where I can be an instrument in the hands of God. Oh, Joanne. That's, 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 that, they, they lift me, they lift me out of dejection about being a black woman into joy about being a black woman and about being able to be useful in particular kinds of ways. And, 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 and in no in resourceful kinds of ways too, resourceful, not not prescribed ways, but but resourceful ways. So it's I, that's what I love about being a black woman. You give me joy. You give us joy. Thank you so much. I knew it. I knew it. I don't have to be right about everything, but I knew I was right about this. <laughs> thank, thank you so much, Joanne. Truly, thank you so much, Joanne. Just I, I, the only thing I'm regretting is that people can't just take be like behold you in the flesh as we're mm. on the post. because as you get more and more in, I can just you. It is like you're sitting right next to us. Oh, um, it is. Wow. It is. Thank you so much for this, and our listeners are going to be blessed beyond all blessing. Yes. And is there a way that our listeners can follow you, find out when your next play is going to be, et cetera, et cetera. We'll include that in um, 
the stuff, but just make sure you send that to us. And you all, you don't even know how blessed you have been to hear the gems, jewels, and magic of this powerful Black woman, Dr. Joanne Terrell. Yes, you got a book coming out. At least tell us what the title of the book is. The title of my book that's going to be coming out, hopefully by the end of this year, is The Way, the Wheel, and the Cross, A Womanist Phenomenology of Interreligiosity. I call it interreligiosity instead of interspirituality or interfaith because I am religious. I like rituals. I, you know, I I like uh, the 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 root meaning of religions is to to rebind mm-hmm. all of the disparate parts of oneself together, and that's what it means to me to be a woman is is to to retrieve all of that broken off experience so you can be whole. So I, I like being religious in that not holier than thou, but holy. We will be on the lookout for that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Until next time. Yes. Yeah. Drink in the blessings as you hold yourself and rock and listening to We Flesh, an offering of Auburn Seminary's Sojourner Truth Leadership Circle. For more content and offerings created by Black women for Black women, 
visit us at tarryingplace.org. Our podcast is produced and edited by Courtney Weber Hoover with cover art by Matt C and music by Amakela Gaston and Alexander Nakarada. If you'd like to support our work, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, beloveds.